Hello and welcome to The Big Rishu, our new podcast where we're tracking the first 100 days of Rishi Sunak's premiership. Uh, it might seem familiar to you because this is, this is trust issues just with a new name and a new prime minister. Uh, not new is Ben Blissett, TLDR's UK, TLDR UK's lead writer. Great segue. Thank Hello. you. Uh, and Zach Michaelis, TLDR's editor-in-chief. Hello. How are you both doing? Good. Yeah, yeah really good. Very excited for the podcast. Yeah. yeah it's going to be a good first, one. First one. First big issue. Yeah. First big issue. Yeah. I feel like the audience is going to have some opinions on the title. Lots of people wanted... Rishi business. business. That was a popular one. Popular, but not good. No, so we this bad, it's, it. it's, it's, we decided it was There was, was some bad. chat about trust issues, but trust we decided issues? to aggressive it's a portmanteau. It's so bad. Yeah, it's yeah. it's aggressively good. bad. Um, Rishi business, though. Mm-hmm. No, not Rishi business. The big Rishi. The big Rishi. Rishi does have some issues this week. Does have some issues. Uh, definitely. Are we sticking with issues? Are we, is that, when we say the word issue, is yeah, that... Yeah, what... We said what? what? <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Go on, then. So one of the first issues that he's faced uh, was raised by Starmer at PMQs in <coughs> relation to immigration. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to give a quick overview of what Starmer's kind of attack was there and what this issue really is? Okay, so the immigration question has been plaguing the Tories for, for basically their, their entire twelve-year premiership, mm-hmm. um, and the basic issue here is that the basic issue here is that. Every Conservative government has promised to get immigration down to the quote-unquote tens of thousands. Mm -hmm. Um, That has not happened. Immigration is actually as high as it was pre-Brexit. It's still in the high hundreds of thousands. And that's basically because non-EU immigration has increased to replace the drop in EU migration that we had pre-Brexit. has become more of an issue over the past couple. More of a issue. More of a issue. More of a issue over the past couple of years with the advent of small boat crossings. Yes. So... We've had this problem in various forms since, well, the 90s, really. But there are some number of immigrants crossing over mm-hmm. um, through unofficial channels, essentially, from mainland Europe, mostly France, yeah. over the channel into the UK. And for a while, it was on the back of trucks. It was on the Eurostar. And then we, well, France and the UK increased security through those avenues. And now it's via small boat crossings. And this was a relatively new phenomenon. There were basically no small boat crossings as early as recently as 2018. But... Mm-hmm. The number has basically doubled every year since 2019, and this year, something like 50,000 have already crossed the channel. So for context, last year it was only about 20,000, yeah. and the year before that it was sort of 10,000. Um, this has become a bit of an issue for the Tories because, a bit of an issue for the Tories, because their whole thing is that they're tough on immigration, and obviously if you have Nigel Farage marching up and down the coast, yeah. being like, look at all these boats coming onto our shores, it slightly undermines that. And Starmer has clearly decided that while historically immigration has been a bit of a weak issue, for Labour because... Oh, it's issues for Labour. It's only okay, issues sorry. for... <laughs> um, because obviously they're, they're perceived as being at least more soft than the Tories on it and a majority of both Labour and Conservative voters think that the government needs to do more on immigration. He's clearly decided that the government's current policy is such a farce, a mm-hmm. combination of Rwanda, which has clearly been very expensive and played by legal problems, yeah. and just sort of empty rhetoric about small boat crossings which haven't deterred them and actually the numbers are just continuously going up. He's clearly decided this is a weak spot for the Tories, and so he started to, to try and, well, draw political attention towards it. So more specifically, what is the issue that's kind of Rishu that's hitting the headlines, and like, what is the controversy right now? Obviously, we've got increased boat crossings, but what is it that the Conservatives are accusing of fa- being accused of failing to do at this stage? So I think the the proximate cause mm-hmm. is just the sheer number of yeah. boat crossings. It's just really, really high. And some days you get a thousand boat crossings in a single day. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the, that's the proximate cause. And one of the other symptoms of that 
is the chaos that we saw at Manston yes. uh, Asylum Centre, which is basically because there are too many people coming, well, too many for the Home Office to handle. Mm -hmm. These processing centres, where they're supposed to have a capacity of like a maximum 1,600 people, are for, like, there's, there's twice as many people in there at any one time, and they are being held for longer than they should be under UK law. Mm -hmm. So I think it's longer than 24 hours, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and their asylum claim isn't being, there's no progress made on it. And um, yeah, so that's, that's the sort of proximate cause of it. Then obviously some more attention was drawn to it the other day because Suella Braverman decided to arrive at Manston mm -hmm. on a Chinook helicopter, despite the fact that it's like a 20 minute drive from where yeah. she was previously. Um, and I think that, it, this is this is what's this is what's created the controversy, but it's one of those things where it's just a permanent background issue. Yeah, and it basically hits the headlines when there's not nothing much else to talk about, and something reminds us of it, whether that's Nigel Farage or what's happened at Manston. Yeah, um, and what is the solution for Rishi here? Obviously, there's not one easy solution, although he could have done it. But what, what direction is he heading in in order to make this issue a non-issue? Well, over summer, he made a number of pledges to try and, you know, sort this out. Mm -hmm. uh, um, this was during the first election This was during campaign. the first leadership election. So yeah. there was, he, he wrote a piece for the Telegraph. There's a load of different promises. But the main ones basically were that he was going to continue with the Rwanda policy. Mm -hmm. uh, Suella Braverman, who is still the Home Secretary, uh, was saying that that's like her dream to see that come true. Yeah. He presented himself as quite hard on immigration and, and came up with all these, these policies. Yeah. The issue is that they all cost quite a lot of money. And back in the summer, the economic background was significantly different to what it is now. Yeah. So he's saying that he's putting, he's reviewing all of these. So he initially presented himself as being quite hard on immigration and came up with, you know, wanting to try and, uh, you know, do quite expensive policies like the Rwanda one that was mm -hmm. quoted as, you know, costing millions and millions. Yeah. Um, but right now, because of the economic background, he's not necessarily rode back on that, but has certainly indicated that this, it, his promises over summer aren't necessarily true on it. Mm -hmm. And what what is the proposal then going forward? If he's rowing back on these policies, does he have any other clear kind of direction he's heading in? What is kind of the North Star of immigration for Rishi? Is it sorting out deals with French? Is it Rwanda? Where is he looking, do we think? Well, I think the, the answer to this, and the reason that it's still an issue, still an issue, still an issue, is that there is just no obvious policy solution. Yeah. Um, there are things you might be able to do, so increased cooperation with the French. Yeah. I mean, as Ben mentioned, the main thing is just giving the Home Office more money. The Home Office really does need reform. You know, it uses really outdated systems um, and it just reliably screws things up. Yeah. Um, but there just isn't an obvious policy solution. And this, this, this problem really does go back well into the 90s. Yeah. Um, but I think his sort of political solution, at least, is just to be as hawkish as possible on it. Okay. Um, I think that's the only real political choice for him because mm -hmm. he has to keep the right wing of the Tory party on side. And also it actually plays relatively well with voters. I mean, majorities of both Conservative and Labour voters think that immigration is, quote, out of control and think the government has to do more on it. Um, so I think that that is what he's going to do. I think in practice, that will just be stuff, it will mainly be rhetorical. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, as we saw, the Rwanda policy is plagued by legal issues. And I think that his, his sort of quote-unquote solution will just be to stick with the current model and talk yeah. the tough game. I, I completely agree with Zach. And this is just, as he, say, as he says, the Home Office just needs money. A lot of his policies require money. He mm -hmm. wants to try and get um, the, the uh, asylum claims. He wants to try and get 80% of asylum claims settled within six months. Yeah. And he, says, he even said over summer that this would cost money. He'd also use technology better. As Zach alluded to, the technology could be better implemented. Mm -hmm. But that just takes, that takes money. And as we've seen with Liz Truss, the country just doesn't have much at the minute. He doesn't have much sort of leeway to be able to implement any of these. So his best option is just to be rhetorical, to try and win over his base. And that is probably what he's going to do. 
Can I say one more thing? Go right? for it. You look, you're going to speak. Yeah, no, happy go for it. Uh, the only thing I'd say, I think we both agree what Sunak's mm. going to do. I mm. think the interesting question is really what Starmer does. Yes. Yeah. Because Starmer has decided that it's a weak point for the Tories because their policy has been so ineffective. Mm -hmm. But as always, the, the Tory repost is, so what's your plan? And I don't think Starmer really has a clear plan at the moment. Um, and he is going to be torn between, you know, there's basically two directions you can go. And he can either talk a tough game, he's talk, you know, basically follow Sunak's lead, mm -hmm. or he can try and make the argument to the public that actually UK immigration numbers per capita are pretty low. Mm -hmm. And as you know, immigration is one of the very obvious ways to increase GDP, yeah. um, which is something that Trust tried to argue for, obviously, during her short tenure. Um, he might be a bit worried about how that was received. Mm -hmm. You know, Trust made that argument and no one bought it. Or at least Tory MPs didn't buy it. Yeah. Um, but he would have to decide essentially what sort of angle he's going for in immigration. Sure. It doesn't look like he's decided yet. And just one other thing, I know you're trying to move on, but um, I think Starmer does this quite a lot when there's a very... Uh, you know, controversial topic that mm -hmm. people are talking about. He tends to not take too much of a stance on it. There's the whole trans rights debate mm -hmm. that's been had, and he seemed to sort of. A lot of his MPs are constantly asked by journalists, you know, what is a woman, and they they, they won't answer. Yeah. He seems to sort of take himself out of that and not engage. Perhaps that's deliberate so that he doesn't have to come up with a hardline policy that will, you know, maybe upset a, a section of the electorate. Yeah. So there's a good chance that he'll do the same on immigration, not really take a firm stance that he doesn't upset anyone. Um, you know, whether that works, you know, he's yet to be seen. He hasn't been tried and tested in an mm -hmm. election yet. But I think it's, it's likely that he'll do that with immigration as well. A lot of talk then. A lot of people talking about things, trying to rile people up. That's not, politics for you, isn't not it? Not a whole you know? lot of action. Clearly, Sunak doesn't have the money to do the things he wants to do on immigration. Um, got another issue. He's not got the money for immigration. Another one, Jack. Rishu. He's not got the money for immigration. He's not got time for the environment, it seems. Because he said that he was too busy to go to the latest COP conference. Um was that was that the extent of the excuse? He was too busy? What what was the reasoning so behind the, not going originally? Yeah, the reasoning behind it was that he's got this budget on the 17th of November. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, Liz just had her mini budget a little while ago and she had this, um, uh, I forget, is it a medium term fiscal statement, plan, something? They'd phrased it some sure. way. Fiscal but event, it was Fiscal event. Yeah, yeah, event. Sorry. For the 31st October. <laughs> Which is like Halloween. It. No one's getting excited for this event. It's not like a party or something. No. Uh, well, they're now referring to it effectively as a, as a budget. Um, it was planned to be for the 31st of October. Um, new Prime Minister came in. That was pushed back. It's now on the 17th of November. Mm -hmm. So he was saying that he couldn't attend COP because he was too busy planning for this. Yeah. Obviously, the, the main focus of all politicians at the minute is the economy. Yeah. Really tough situation at the minute. And a, a lot of eyes are on that statement. So it sort of makes sense that he, he wants to be able to prepare for that. But obviously... There was a lot of questions as to the environment is also another big topic yeah, and him not attending sends quite a big message about his um, uh, commitment to environmental policies. You know, Alok Sharma, who was the uh, president of COP last year, mm -hmm. who is also a Conservative MP, seemed quite annoyed about the fact that Sunak wasn't going. A yeah. lot of media pressure on him. He sort of backtracked and is now is now attending. The, the, it should probably be said that he was kind of between a rock and a hard place because either he goes and he goes for a limited time, possibly a day, mm -hmm. and he spends a lot of money getting to COP, mm -hmm. uh, which would require, you know, flying there, yeah. uh, which is not good for the environment, probably doesn't send a good message, yeah. or he doesn't go, which also doesn't send a good message. Yeah. So, you know, he's kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place, but he has decided he will go, um, but probably only for a very short time. So clearly he changed his mind, he's U-turned. There were other Brits who were meant to be going. The King was 
is going still is or going? was going there was talk about the king going, going. Well, certainly chatter around will the king okay. go instead Johnson. I know, that's the Johnson's big one. Going. Johnson was going. But I think Sunak should have seen that coming. I mean, it was always a mistake to say you wouldn't go to Cox just because Johnson was always going to go. Yeah. And, and that would have allowed Johnson to essentially represent the UK on the international stage. Yeah. Slightly undermine Sunak's premiership. So I think that was a that was a bit of a blunder. Do you think that Sunak. is part of the reasoning behind the U-turn? What do you think the oh, political yeah. reasoning is? Yeah, yeah. Andrew uh, Marr had a great piece of imagery. He said that, Boris Johnson is rustling around in the political undergrowth, which is what he's doing. <laughs> he's just sort of like making trouble in the background. Yeah. And um, I think that Sunak should have seen in advance that Johnson was going to take the opportunity to capitalise on yeah. Sunak's reluctance here. Um, and uh, yeah, I do think it was a big, big part of thinking behind the U-turn. I think Johnson also likes to think of him as ch- himself as like a Churchillian figure. And he's now been sort of ousted. And after Churchill was ousted post-war, he went off and did a load of international stuff. And sure. almost de facto represented Britain on the, the international stage, made speeches about the Iron Curtain, etc. And I think Johnson is trying to emulate that. Yeah. And he's now been forced out. So he thinks he's going to come back. And in the medium term, you know, in the meantime, he's going to you know, go and represent the UK abroad and do all these speeches and, and whatnot. So I think that's probably Johnson's uh, attitude to this. But yeah, I do completely agree that uh, I think that, that the Johnson factor almost certainly factored in. Quickly then, you said he was between a rock and a hard place. He's changed his decision. Do you think he made the right decision in you turning here? Uh, obviously, the optimal decision would have just been to say you're going in the first place. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I still think it's probably the right decision net overall to, to U-turn. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. I think it probably was the right decision. But as I say, it all sort of depends what the headlines are going to be afterwards. Because yeah. if he, you know, the whole flying there, flying back for a short period, those headlines he's haven't get hit stung. yet. But yeah. he's, he, yeah, but he's yet to get stung. He's going to get a couple of right wing specky columnists. It's not going to be like a big thing. Sure. I don't think, at least. Mm. We'll see. Yeah. Something that is a big thing, but <laughs> doesn't feel like a big thing. It's a massive issue. A big issue is the Bank of England and their rate changes. Now, I don't know what's going on here, and I don't have the patience to find out. So, Zach, you've got three minutes. Tell me what's happening. Okay, so the basic, the headline story here is that the Bank of England yesterday, so on Thursday, um, raised their bank rate from 2.25% by 75 basis points to 3%. Sure. Um, in practice, this is just means that they're, they're trying to cool the economy down. Mm-hmm. Inflation is at 10.1%, CPI is at 10.1%. And the bank's mandated target is 2%. So they're so trying to bring it down. A little bit higher. It's a little yeah. bit higher. Um, the bank is also worried about the prospect of a so-called wage price spiral. Mm-hmm. That's very apparent if you read the notes from the meeting. And that's basically when wages rise to match inflation, mm-hmm. which increases aggregate demand because wages um, workers have more money, so they spend more. Yeah. And that pushes up inflation higher. They ask for another raise. And you get this sort of escalating spiral that creates chaos in the wider economy. Um, obviously, raising rates... You reduce aggregate demand, so you should bring down the headline inflation number. And also because the economy slows down, that means there's more unemployment. Mm-hmm. And, and that should take some of the strain out of the labor market. It basically gives laborers less bargaining power. So they're, they're, they're less capable of asking for raises because there's this pool of unemployed people that can replace them. Mm-hmm. So that's what's happened. It's very bad news for Sunak, even though it's not really much you could have done about it because... When you hike rates, you slow the economy down, and the UK is probably already in a recession. Yeah. But we're still well below pre-pandemic GDP activity. Um, and the Bank of England is basically, in its forecast, has said that if the markets are correct, mm-hmm. and the markets are pricing in rate hikes to about 5.5% in the future, we're currently at three, they think they'll be hiked even further. Yeah. If the markets are correct, then we're looking at a two-year-long recession 
uh, and we're not going to return to pre-pandemic GDP for the next couple of years at least. Yeah. Um, that's a pretty miserable forecast. Um, yeah. That means that, you know, 2024, what's when the election's due, we're still going to be behind. Timing. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to just come out of a two-year recession and we're still going to be behind pre-pandemic levels of growth, of, of activity. Um, they say even if this is the highest that rates go and rates stay at 3%, you're looking at a recession for about a year and you're not looking at a return to pre-pandemic levels of GDP for a good three, four years. Mm -hmm. So all in all, pretty miserable forecast. This is obviously bad news for Sunak because history suggests that recessions aren't good for incumbents. And even if it's not really your fault and you can point at Putin as much as you like, but generally if you preside over a recession, you lose the election. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's just, yeah, that's just, it's just bad news for Sunak basically. It's a big old Rishi. It's a massive Rishi and there's no solution to that Rishi, unfortunately. What a nightmare. I know, poor Rishi, eh? Well, We've got to end now. Yeah. Just, <laughs> and I, I've written a thing that I'm going to read at the end of podcasts because like podcasts end, our podcast normally ends, we just stop talking and walk away. <laughs> but normal podcast, someone says a thing. So I thought if we had a thing to say, it's going to make our endings more, I think the more endings, normal. I agree. The endings would be more normal for us, guess, but maybe having a meta discussion about it before. I'm just flagging it for, okay, for cool. everyone. We'll say it then. I'm also flagging. This episode of The Big Rishu was brought to you by me, Jack Kelly, with Ben Blissett and Zach Michaelis. It was produced by Yana Damich and edited by Ben Blissett. The Big Rishu is a TLDR news production for 326 Limited. Very nice. Happy Very endings. nice. Ah, man. See, that was good. That was good. Huge. I think the audience are going to have some controversy. <laughs> It's hard to have this conversation with the third Just go, just go, just go. Just, I think the audience is going to have... Just, I think the audience is going to love it. Yeah. Let's <laughs> 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 go, but I think the audience is going to have some opinions. <laughs> you can't smile at me like that. With all the dark corpses. <laughs> I think we've hyped him up too much. Yeah, I think the audience is going to have some opinions on that. You go for yeah, that. I think the audience is going to have some opinions. No, you say it. <laughs> you say it. <laughs> you say it. God, just say it. Say the fucking words. You're like his, oh, yeah. his manager. Oh, You're like, what's I feel like I'm on set with Ricky Gervais, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. He just corpses the whole time. <laughs>